Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you to Veracity Networks and my good friend Drew Peterson for sponsoring the show. I couldn't do it without you guys, so thank you so much. I also like to thank Paul Paul Cardall for this beautiful music that he allows me to play on this on the beginning and the end of this Belief Cast. And he's an amazing guy. He's been on twice, and he's just a good dude. And and I want to thank all of you listeners. Thank you for always tuning in every week and sharing this with people you know. Um, we are growing like crazy, and it wouldn't be possible without you. And I'd also like to thank all of our previous guests. They're amazing people. And because of that, uh, we have just grown like crazy. And today's no different. We have an amazing person today. His name's Michael Gregson. Thank you for joining us, Michael. Yeah, thanks for letting me be here, Todd. I'm excited to be with you today. Yeah, thank you. And you have... I cannot wait for our listeners to hear your story. It is incredible, and you've been through so much and overcome so much, and I can't wait for people to hear this. Um, A little background, you grew up in Salt Lake City. Um, You're married currently to Ashley, and you have three children. Alicia. Oh, Alicia. And, and oh, I'm so no, sorry. No worries. No worries. Man, we it, might have to edit that out. No, sorry. no, no. No worries. It's uh, <laughs> it, she would laugh at that anyway. She's phenomenal. So yeah, no, in beautiful family. Uh, professionally, you've worked 12 years in the hospitality industry for Marriott International, and his current role is with the Provo Marriott Hotel and Conference Center. He has a passion for helping people and to choose and and choose a career that would allow him to serve people all day, every day, while providing for his family. You've been currently, you know, recently uh, speaking to church groups, addiction recovery centers, and and, and business settings for the past nine years. In 2017, the Mormon Channel produced a short video about your experiences titled Returning to Prayer that highlights your recovery from addiction and his rescue from suicide as he prayed in desperation and anger to God. And I'm excited to hear this story. And uh, you started a podcast called Come Towards Delight. Um, and uh, you just every day you're trying to help other people and make a difference. And so, I mean, the list goes on and on. We can keep going. But thank you for joining us and, and being willing to come share your amazing story with us today. Yeah, thanks so much, Todd. I, uh, I'm excited to be here with you. And, and just coming into your office right now, I, I think, and you and I talked a little bit before recording, but that, that word delight means a lot to me. And I look up at your ceiling and, and you have a quote that says, the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there is nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And, and I just, I, that amen to that. And, and I think to anybody out there listening to my story, my story is, it's crazy. It's tragic. You know, you've had some others on the podcast yeah. that, that have gone through some crazier things than me. And, and we've all gone through, we all have a story. Yeah. And mine's no more important than anybody else's. But the beauty is, is we go through what we need to go through that gives us the opportunity to recognize how important we are and how much worth and value we have. And that there is somebody much greater than us that we can rely on. And that's our, that's our heavenly father. That's God. Yeah. And once we come to that point, then we get a lot of help. Right. And, and he opens the door for us in our lives. Yeah. So excited to be here, Todd. Thank you so much. I oh, love what you do. Thank you. And um, I'm already feeling this really strong energy and love and light and spirit in here today. So thank you. And so why don't we start with, before we get into the meat of your story, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and about your family. Sure. Um, so come from a family of eight total. So six kids in my family. <laughs> I was the second oldest. I have an older brother okay. and then four younger sisters. 
Um, and my, of course my mother and my father, uh, growing up, I grew up in Utah for the most part. Um, my grandpa, uh, Gregson, uh, was a part owner of a, in an oil industry. And so my, my dad and his brothers would go around the country and kind of open up gas stations. It was called Cowboy Oil back in the day. This is like early eighties right? where mom and pop gas stations actually did exist. They don't anymore. I know. (laughs) Yeah. It's gone now, but. Um, so, so in my childhood, we lived in, excuse me, we lived in Oklahoma for a bit, Enid, Oklahoma, holy podunk town. Uh And then, uh, we moved to Minnesota and Wisconsin for a while where I became a huge fan of Kirby Puckett. Guy's amazing. Kirby Puckett. That brings back some memories. I remember watching him like he was the man. Yeah. He was short and he'd always jump up and catch the ball before he'd go over the fence. It was amazing. And he's gone now. Rest his soul, but he, good man. Um, anyway, and then <clears throat> as I got into uh, the later years of my youth, we moved back to Utah to be surrounded by family, and, and I loved that. I loved growing up. My both grandparents, I grew up in the same neighborhood as them and surrounded by cousins for the most part of my life, but um, just just had a, you know, had a great childhood, mm-hmm. a very strong, faithful Christian family. We belonged to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, um, you know, grew up with, with an understanding of... of you know, who I am, why I'm here on earth and, and the purpose that, that mm-hmm. you know, that we can live with. But, uh, you know, sometimes growing up in that, it, it, it keeps yeah. it out of your brain of thinking that you need to uncover and discover new things and, and actually really reach to find out the answers to some of those questions in life yeah, that sure. are very important. Right. Yeah. So what was your childhood like with having that many siblings? I would imagine that was kind of fun and probably chaotic at times. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything different. I mean, our family reunions were massive. So my, so my mom had eight siblings or excuse me, seven siblings, total of eight kids in her family. And then my dad had a total of seven in his family. And so we get our family, get to our family reunions and I'm, and I'm watching my mom and dad go around and, and, you know, hugging up and loving on everybody. But then like every once in a while, they'd see somebody and be like, now remind me where, like which family you're in and remind, you know, so it's so massive. And, and, you know, you grew up in a family that's a large size and, and, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. And, and I grew up in holiday, Utah. I went to high school skyline and, mm. and I felt like I was the poor kid in school. Right. I mean, when right. you grow up in a family that, that's a good size family, no matter how much, no matter how hard your, your parents work when, when you're young and you're still developing, you, you just kind of feel like, and we don't really have all the stuff that some of these other people have. And you start to compare and unfortunately comparison where they call it they say it's the thief of joy yeah and sure. and as you start to get into um those teenage years and you really start to unfortunately you start to compare yourself to others uh, you start to learn competition you learn all those things and, and you try and be the best you can but of course you're going to look at those people across the aisle and start to compare and, and that was that was something that i really struggled with in my youth as i started to grow and develop yeah and i think most kids, you know, go through that period in their time, uh, in their life, some worse than others. But I think we, we get to that point where, you know, am I enough? We start walking around going, I don't think I'm as good as everyone else. Yeah. And we beat ourselves up internally. Right. And we go through a difficult time. You know, obviously you've been through a lot and, you know, and there's a big part of this story I want our listeners to hear, you know, if we could, let's this maybe kind of lead up to what, you know, when you started really struggling in your life, you know, addiction got into it, you know, a faith crisis, the whole thing, I, I, you know, just maybe kind of start that, that with us and absolutely you know, where that went. Sorry. Well, so Todd, I just celebrated my 40th birthday <clears throat> in November and I'm going to start there and then backtrack. So 
for my 40th birthday um, a couple years ago, I mentioned to my wife, you know, these NBA players, uh, when they get around 40 years old, they retire. And, and it, what a glorious thing for these guys, you know, after right. a lifelong time of working their butts off to make it as far as they have. And I said, you know, although I didn't make it to the NBA, I've had a dream to play in the NBA for a long time. And, and that dream is real to me. So I want to retire from my NBA dream at 40 years old. <clears throat> so mm. my wife threw me a party on my 40th birthday where she rented out a movie theater and they actually, like she actually had a press conference. I walk in and I'm like, Oh cool. My whole family and friends are here to watch a movie with me. This is great. Yeah. And all of a sudden I've got this guy named Spencer Hall, uh, who, who was the starter of salt city hoops. And he used to, he used to work for ESPN and he grabs me and he goes, we've got some questions for you. And he's dressed up head to toe no and to the nines. And, and he's got this, <laughs> this podium at the front and he's like, we've got some questions for you. And all of a sudden I go, holy cow, no this way. is a press conference. And he goes, yeah, we would like to talk to you about your career and <laughs> your dream awesome. of pulling on the no NBA. Way. And behind yeah. me is a sign that my wife had created with an upside down Nike swoosh that said, just couldn't do it. So, <laughs> yeah. So that said, <laughs> that's um, awesome. <laughs> that, that goes back to a lifelong dream of playing in the NBA sure, and yeah. at 510 uh yeah that couldn't jump higher than about maybe at peak maybe about 18 19 20, i don't know whatever but um <laughs> when i was a child that yeah. was very real to me i was sure. athletic i love sports you know all the things that a lot of a lot of young men young women do is we love to use our bodies and play and we're active and and i just i had a talent for basketball and i loved it so much and um school came naturally to me up until about junior high age and and i, I made it through no problem and i played and i was a, i was one of the better players on the basketball team there and as i got into high school um i i had i had started i had some girlfriends in junior high i had one specifically that you know i i didn't i didn't really understand young youth and young love is so weird right you know it's yeah. you go yeah. through so much and you, you put your heart out there and it gets crushed and it's we all go through it, male or female. It's weird. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I kind of had that experience from ninth grade going into my, my high school um, time frame. And um, so when I, as, I got, as I was coming into high school, I was kind of depressed a little bit because it, it, was, it didn't work out with this girl that I kind of had a crush on. And, and um, I, I, was, I was trying really hard to find myself. I was having some right. struggles with my friends um, a uh, couple cousins that, that I was really close to and lived really close to as well. And just my self-esteem was, was really not in a good place. I was relying so much on outward things to give me an inward value oh, instead wow. of, okay. instead of recognizing in me the good things I started really highlighting, well, I am these failures. I am, mm. I don't have all, all the money in the world. I, I don't have you know, this is what I don't have, da, 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 da. but I forgot about all these things that I was good at and these things that I loved. Yeah. And um, so anyway, going into high school, um, really started to struggle with my grades right off the bat. Uh, tryouts come sophomore year. My, my the, the basketball coach, uh, Charlie Wadding, awesome guy. I know Charlie. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a stud. And yeah. I played college ball at the U, and yep. then he played professionally and actually told me a funny story about Larry Bird, and we'll, we'll talk about that off mic. But <laughs> okay. um, he was my first period teacher, and, and I went to tryouts. I, I, had, I learned in high school that I could slough and get away with it. Yeah. And then show up to class the next day and, yeah. and teachers wouldn't even notice, right? Fun. And so I started to go hang out with friends that I, you know, I thought I could, you kind of surround yourself by the light in which you live. 
So I started to go spend time with other kids that would slough class and things like that because it somehow made me feel better and made me feel like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of value that I'm bringing right. and I'm spending time with others that don't either. And so we're just kind of sulking together and, and we're going out and doing things that aren't very productive. Right. And so I went the first day of tryouts, sophomore year, which in Utah is the first year of high school. Um, and, and that day after the first try, no, excuse me, the next day after the first day of tryouts, I got my report card and said 1.8. Well, wow. you can't play ball without a two, <laughs> at least a 2.0. 2.0 is like just bare minimum to right. get on. Yeah. I'd never had that happen in my whole life before. And I, I was like, what the heck happened? And um, instead of going to tryouts the next day, I, I, I didn't go. And I, and I quit. I literally quit. And I was one of the better basketball players in my high school. Yeah. Um, and, and the next day, I'll never forget it. After I missed that tryout, Charlie came to me in the morning. He pulled me out in the hall and he said, what are you doing? Yeah, why didn't you? Yeah. What are you doing? And I, and I had a moment right there to make a choice, because I know that if I would have said to him, "I I want I I want to try. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake." He would have opened the door for me to help me, but I didn't. I didn't take that. And I had already in my mind, I'd already quit. I already made the choice in my mind that I was done. There was no opportunity for me, and and that to Todd really really put a pinpoint on who I was in high school. That's, that's who I became is this guy that failed because I quit and I, and I kind of blamed a lot of other things. Like I, I struggled with ADHD, you know, uh -huh. and depression. All of a sudden I had to start going to counseling because my parents looked at me and they were like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, not this guy, but our son that right. we love dearly. Sure. Yeah. You look in, you look in his eyes now and all of a sudden we used to see this happy guy that was cheerful and engaged and, loved life or or at least like love to you know be alive whatever all of a sudden we've got this kid that like won't look us in the eyes anymore he wakes up in the morning he eats a bowl of cereal and he won't look up he, he doesn't want to engage with anybody wow. and and there was a lot of darkness there and um it got to the point where um i i my grades struggled so much that about towards the end of my junior year i got my report card and it said 0.8 i mean you really have to work hard to get a point eight. Right. <laughs> it's you got to put in as much effort as you do to get a four point zero. And I know For that sure. now, but then I was like, yeah. I'm just a failure. Like in my mind, it became your belief system. Yep. Yeah, that was just who you were yep. at this point. Yep. And wow. and I, you know, I I had I had friends. I still had friends. I still mm -hmm. had all these things, but I just started living a lie. I didn't I didn't have to tell people about my grades to, to go to parties and have fun and this kind of stuff. So on the weekends, that's all I look forward to is trying to go connect that way. But yeah. inside I just was falling apart. There was no, there, there was no, nothing in me that was giving me value. And, and I was, it was dark for me. So when I would was alone or by myself or disengaged from whatever was happening, right. I felt like what is wrong with me? Nobody mm -hmm. wants to hang out with me. Nobody wants to spend time with me just beating myself up and that's the only self-talk that i had in my brain at that time right it was really hard wow uh man i think i mean i can definitely relate with that negative voice in our head that tells us we're no good you know we're different so we can't connect you know my problems are too big i'll never be able to get past this um and i think you know that leads to a lot of other things because I really, I, I, I know what I do with my clients is belief dictates the way we behave, right? So 
having that really strong belief that you're just the guy that fails and this and that. What other behaviors did this lead you into and what road did that take you down? Great. So, I mean, I love your thoughts and obviously, you know, so much about this realm for, and so many of us go through this, right? We kind of have to, right. um, yeah. but, but because of those beliefs, all of a sudden I started looking for what's going to make me happy right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I want an instant gratification because nothing's giving that. And I come from Todd, I came from a family that was very active LDS, very active in our faith. Mm-hmm. My grandpa was a mission president in, in my high school years. And then very shortly thereafter, he was called into uh, the quorum, we, what we call the quorum of the 70. And so his, his leadership was high up in, in, in the mm-hmm. church. His, his life was a life of service and dedication. And so my whole family kind of looked to him as like, well, that's the example of the life that we need to live. Yeah. And here I am his second oldest grandchild, a male, I've got to go on a mission, like not got to, but like I should, that's the yeah. expectation for me. So there was a lot of expectations that were set for me because yeah. of this thing. But also in my brain, my expectations were even higher than that of what, what I thought everybody else wanted from me. A lot of and pressure. Here I am, yeah, right. Yeah. Pressure. And here I am failing. And those expectations are not real. They're not true. And, and I, there, yeah. there is no expectation our parents are happy when we are just happy and trying the best we yeah. can to be good, productive people. So the the beliefs I had, like you said, caused me to really um, look for instant gratification. I want something that's going to make me feel good, make me yeah. feel valued now. Right. And, and, and as I got into those, those teenage years, I started to with surrounding myself with these people that, that kind of had the same amount of light that I did. I started getting into par- partying. I started drinking. I started, uh, smoking marijuana, um, masturbation became a, a big thing. And, and obviously, you know, things like that is that's it. That's that word is such a dark word in our society. It's right. like, we can't say it. And if yeah. we do, then we're a, we're a, we're a perverted person in a way. Right, right. Not true. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes through, you know, certain things and, and, and a lot of us experience these things, but the amount of shame that entered into my life that nobody knew about was heavy. And, and that, and that caused me to just shy away from so much and disengage. And, and you really, you go into this small, small place and you don't want to, you don't want to con- connect with anybody right. except for people that have the same amount of light as you. And even with those people mm-hmm. in your brain, you want them to reach out to you because you want to feel like they like you. You want to feel like they, they care about you. You need, you need somebody to give yeah. that to you. And you don't get it. And, and it's just a dark place to be in. Well, wow, it's interesting and very well said how, you know, we, we kind of attract to the same level of light or, you know, I, you know, like like attracts like, right? Healthy attracts healthy, unhealthy attracts unhealthy. And that was a good way to say that. And, and so now you're trying, not that they're bad people because you weren't a bad person, no, yeah. but it's just the level of, you know, mindset and belief system that you're, you're on and you, you feel more comfortable around the same type of mindset. Right. Amen. Yeah, that's wow. it. I mean, it, you really do. And, and, and there's, and you, like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're in your youth, you know, we're here on earth to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We have to, that's how we learn. Right. But when we surround ourselves with other people who are making mistakes that, that are just trying to hide away from those things, it's, it, we just, we feed off each other and it, it's not helpful, but, but we're all kind of in it together. Right. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Um, so so now you're, you know, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to fit in, you're trying to connect with certain people, you know, again, you're probably, your family's realizing at this point that you're having a rough time. 
very right. much so. And are you at, are you sharing with them at all what's going on? No. Or are you just like, I don't want to talk, leave me alone kind of thing? No, I won't share anything with them. In fact, <laughs> I won't even share the Nintendo paddle. I want to play. I want to go, just, just right. leave me alone. Just yeah, leave me alone. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Leave me alone. Um, no. Um, an experience happened to me um, towards the end of my, my junior year. So when you grow up LDS, obviously for a young man, the expectation is to go on a mission, serve mm-hmm. a mission. That's ultimately kind of what we grow up to do. We don't really look beyond that mark a lot of times in our lives. Yeah. Some of us anyway. And um, so anyway, I, I got into my junior year. I'm, I'm partying. I'm, I'm trying. I've got a couple friends that I've, I've really become close to and we're all partying together, that type of thing. Um, but I am so unhappy and I'm so broken and I'm so, I'm so depressed because I'm trying to figure out like if there's anything for me since I'm not going to probably make the NBA at this point in my life. I'm sitting in my living room one day, totally depressed. I, I've, I've been put on these medications for depression and ADHD. I won't take them. I'm telling my mom and my dad that I will, but I won't. Right. I, I feel like I'm a failure because I'm going to see a counselor now who's asking me what kind of animal would I be if I could be an animal and why. <laughs> right? I just didn't – like there's all I see in myself is there are problems. Why are all right. my friends successful and productive they're on the football team. Scotland's had a championship team for four years in a row. What the heck's yeah. wrong with me? I quit. Yeah. I quit everything. I'm, I'm sulking on the sofa in my living room, head in hands, feeling like the biggest, worst failure in the world, and nobody cares anything for me because I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Yeah. My dad um, walked into the home after work that day, and he, and he, he stopped. He kind of walked into our living room, and, and to get to his room, he's, he's, he's got he's to pass through, and he sees me. And typically, my dad was the kind of guy that always had joy, um, and, and he, he would always come home and say, "Hey, how are you? How's your day? Tell me about it. Like, what happened?" Didn't say a word to me today, this day, and right. and he just kind of stood there for a second. I, I didn't, I wasn't really looking up to see where he was to say hi. I was sulking, but I heard him. He stopped and for a second. He just kind of stood there, and then he turned around. And he went the other direction. I didn't think anything of it. I just kind of thought, "Hey." Um, a few minutes later, he walked upstairs and, and he walked, he came walking towards me and, and in his hands, he had the Book of Mormon. Um, and the Book of Mormon, if, if you're not a LDS of our faith, it's, it's another testament of Jesus Christ. It's to go hand in hand with the Bible to testify right. of Christ. Yeah. Anyway, he, he had this Book of Mormon and he came walking towards me and, and with all the love and, his, and tenderness of his heart, he, he said, Mike... I think it's time for you to read this book. And he put it down in front of me. And, and Todd, I, I grew up in this home where we tried to read every day together as a family. Yeah. We tried to make God the, the focus of our, of our right. home and our life so that we could have that structure. But I'd never done any, I've never read it. I'd never discovered, I'd never uncovered anything myself in that regard. So I sat there and I looked at it and I thought, I hate to read, I don't want to read it. You know, right. I, I just got done reading one book in my whole life, and I think it was Michael Jordan versus Magic Johnson, but I don't <laughs> want to read anything about any of this other stuff. <laughs> right. And and I, so I sat there yeah. on the couch and thought, nah, I didn't really worry about it. Thanks, Dad. And he went walking off. I had this feeling in my heart, go read the book. And and I at first, I, I kind of laughed, you know, no. Right, yeah. And, nah. I, and I thought that was my thinking. I'm like, yeah, well, it's right. a stupid thought, Mike. Came back, and it was peace. Go read the book. And so I picked it up and I went downstairs in my room and I, I sat on my bed and with all this depression surrounding me, I thought to myself, well, I've got to, I've got to figure out if I'm going to go on a mission or not. And if I'm not going to go, I got to be able to say, I don't believe this. Mm-hmm. I don't feel right about it and, and stand my ground. Right. And so I, I set the book on my bed. I knelt down and said a prayer and I'd never really prayed 
um, with intent in my whole life. I, you know, I had said the prayers, but I'd never actually sincerely meant it. Right. This time I did. And I, 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 my prayer basically went, God, if you're there, um, I need your help. I, I want to know if this is true. If this is true, I'm going to read it. And if it's true, please, I just ask that you'll let me know that it is. Right. If it's not, let me know that it's not. I need, I just want to know if it's true. And I said, I'll make you a promise that if you tell me this thing is true, I will go on a mission and I will give everything that I have, but I have to know it's true or else I'm not going to go. Yeah. So from that day going forward, I started to read the book and my parents looking back on this time will always, they always, they, they kind of talk about it like this, like a light switch flipped on. All of a sudden I started engaging people. I started looking people in the eyes. I started, I started smiling again. I was happy yeah. again. I went from 0.8 grade and high uh, report card in high report school. Card, yeah. yeah. To high honor roll. Um, and actually passing high school, you know, barely by the skin of my teeth, but yeah. summer school, all the things. And I was engaging, I was loving, and I was lifting. I was trying to find friends that whose heads were hanging down and trying to help them throughout the day. And when I finished reading, um, and it came down to that point where I needed to find out. I, I'll never forget the day, but I was down in my room and I knelt down on my knees. And as I went to ask, I already knew the answer. Um, that God was real. This was true. And this wow. brought light into my life. And the feelings that I felt then really just, it gave me so much gratitude for my life. And I, I decided at that point to go on a mission. So I graduated high school, all, all good there. Um, went on a mission, went to Indiana and uh, just gave everything I had. So I had nothing but failures at this point, right? And I, yeah. and I didn't even look at the turnaround and, and the, the high honor rule as like a success. I just thought, finally, I'm back to the point where I should be, right? Yeah. But I, I haven't had great success in my life yet. Right, yeah. So I go on this mission, and I am just ready. I am on fire. And for two years, I, can t- I, I keep that fire because I am not there for me. I am there for God who has brought light back into my life. And so I'm living, I'm, I'm out serving, dedicating every day because of gratitude and because of Jesus Christ. And, yeah. and, and it just lit my soul on fire. And for two years, that's how I lived. I saw miracles every day. I saw God's hand every day, changing not only my life, but people around me's life and powerful stuff. Yeah. And as I get done with two years, all of a sudden and, and, and leadership roles in, in that area, the confidence was there. I felt like I could talk to anybody and everybody. I was on Purdue campus, a school full of engineers, you know, and, and, and yeah. I'm out stopping <laughs> groups of people in between class to talk to them about God and, and I'm right. getting people's attention. They'll stop and talk to me. I never found Drew Brees. I tried really oh, hard. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, at the end of two years, my parents came to pick me up and they just, you could, you could see in their eyes, holy cow, what's happened to our son. And for, for about four days, we traveled my mission. I had Bach, a, a full box of Book of Mormons. And I'm, I'm, every time we stop for gas, I'm talking to everybody. When we're in the airport, I'm talking to everybody. I learned to love people and find the value of the worth of a soul. But on the flight home, I'm wow. sitting there with my mom. And I'm, I just start weeping. And my mom turns to me and says, what's wrong? And I said, I feel like I'm dying. I don't want this to end. I want to do this forever this i have so much joy doing this 
and you know she scratches my back and, and I, but I had confidence I, I felt I felt ready, right right so I Todd I came home I, and I started going to school at, at uh, LDS Business College with a couple of my really close friends who are very successful and smart Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what I, what happened to me is, although I had better studying habits, as I started going to school, I, I started to realize because of all the class that I missed and the sloughing and this, that, and the other, um, I was far behind, especially in math. And so all of a sudden my confidence started to drop as I started to go and engage in school. And I saw all these other kids around me yeah. being very successful and, and I felt, you know, looking looking outward, you feel like the grass is always greener, and and these kids are so smart, they know everything, and why am I so far behind? And um, so that depression started to settle just a little bit. It wasn't bad. I was still engaged with God. I was still right. reading scriptures. I was still praying every day. And Doing en- your enge- part. Yeah. Yep. And engaged. I was trying to serve. Um, but the habits started to change. I wasn't connecting as much as I started to get this depression. I kind of started to go inward a little bit more and stopped serving as Mm. much. Well, I started dating and I I was working. I was trying to go to school for 20 hours a semester and work for 30 hours a a week. And I just was throwing myself so thin into so many different things. And I wasn't stopping to collect myself and really make sure that I was taking care of me. And, um, all at the same time trying to make the NBA somehow, right? I still believed in the dream, right? Um, but anyway, <laughs> I I, uh, I ended up, as I, as I was dating, I, I ended up getting married in, in the temple, you know, which we believe is for time and all eternity. A huge point for LDS people, right? I, this is the pinnacle. You, you get married you, you believe in the temple and, you, and yeah. you're sealed for time and all eternity. This is a huge thing. And um, very, very shortly thereafter, there were some red flags that I ignored as we were dating. And, and, and I'm sure she did the same for me. And, and um, yeah. I just spiritually wasn't in a good place. And I had stopped reading every day. I had stopped praying. I'd, I'd stopped doing all these things because I felt like I was good with God. Yeah. I, I felt like I was connected to him. And, and I'd seen all these miracles happen in my life. But sh- shortly after we got married... After the honeymoon phase, uh, literally within one month, we started arguing and fighting. And those arguments and fights got to the point where we literally yelling and screaming. And, and she would she actually started to hit me. And and that hurt so much. Sure. It didn't hurt physically. It, it didn't. Not at all. But it really hurt. And and there was one time I was walking away and she, she was hitting me in the back of the head. And I, and I was like... You know, I don't, I don't know what I've done to deserve this, but I must not be a good person. Like I must, it, like I kind of took everything and made it my fault. And kind of going back to that original, not original, but the mindset you had and belief in high school. Like I'm just, I must not be good enough. Amen. That's wow. it. It's, it was all me, yeah. and 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 I had a lot of bitterness. Um, and and that those moments that those experiences put me in a place where I was just like okay, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. Like, I, I, I don't like any life in general. Just for some reason, I'm not okay. I'm not capable to have a good life. It's not working for me. Mm. And as we started going through the divorce process, uh, we did. And, 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 and I had a cousin reach out to me that was down in Arizona. And, and you know, my father, who was my best friend, was kind of aware of where I was. And he knew that I was really slipping spiritually. And, and this cousin reached out to my dad and said, hey, um, what would he think if I asked him to come down and work for me in my electric company? And uh, my dad said, I think it'd be a good thing. And so I did. I moved to Arizona to get a fresh start. 
started working for my cousin, was really hurt, wounded big time. Uh, I tried really hard though when I first got down there. I tried to engage, go to church, things like that. Felt good energy. Right. Um, but then as I would come home and I realized I didn't really have any close friends and I didn't feel a lot of value for myself, felt very secluded. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really trying though. That's the thing is I wasn't making the choice to put myself in those places where I could have friendships and have people that would buoy me up. Right. I'd go sit in self-isolated seclusion. Mm. And that's a dark place. For if you're sure. not connecting with God, you're, right. you're you're in a dark place. And um, anyway, I started drinking again. And once I once I took that first drink, in my mind, it kind of opened up that okay, well, I've already I've, I've sinned once, you know, a big sin here. So I'm just I'm good. I've got to repent for that. So I'm gonna go ahead and do all these other things Might in my life. Well and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna keep it going. And so I started drinking. Uh, It was self-isolation. I wasn't drinking with anybody else. I'd come home, grab a bottle, go sit in my room and drink. And then I connected with another buddy that was of the same faith as me who had gone through divorce. A lot of fun. And we decided to go party. Uh, And and we were living in Arizona. You know, Scottsdale, Arizona is like a mini L.A. There's clubs all over the place. Mm -hmm. A lot of money, fast cars, whatever. That's the life, right? Flashy lights. And Todd, what's interesting about that is is sometimes uh, when we don't do that, we look at, as an outside person looking in, we go, why would somebody choose to live that life? It's fake. And that's that may be true to a certain extent, but at, f- at first, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. Yeah. It's thrilling. It gives you adrenaline. There's a reason people are addicts and alcoholics and drug addicts because at first – it's exciting. It's new. And it does give you that instant gratification. It's not the right type of gratification, but adrenaline, if you've ever felt it, yeah. is very gratifying. For sure. And we yeah. tend to go towards those things that are very simple, that don't take a lot of effort on our part right. to feel that way. And to, for me to feel that, I had to take a few drinks. All of a sudden, Mike Gregson could let loose and he was an amazing dancer on the dance floor. It was a blast. And so every night of the week, me and this buddy, we'd go to the clubs in LA. We'd start partying and start dancing, and um, it it was a it was a fun, exciting life at first. It, yeah. it it didn't do anything to help me, that's for sure. Right. But it gave me a chance to break away from myself, and mm. that's what I was looking right. for at that moment. Um, fast forward a little bit. I'd stopped going to church. I'd stopped engaging. I hadn't I hadn't prayed for a long time. I hadn't read my scriptures. I knew God lived. I knew that. But I I really tried to take God, put him in a box and put him in a closet and and just for this time in my life, put him away and say, I can come back when I'm ready. I'll, yeah. I'll come engage when I'm ready. But right mm. now, this is the life that I want. And so again, fast forward a few years later, you know, we're talking about three years down the road. Um, all of a sudden, uh, it's not it's not as easy anymore. I'm I've got to drink a lot more. I've got to smoke a lot more marijuana. Yeah. I'm now taking it to work as well, and and I'm working my job, but trying to break away every now and then and go have a sip of alcohol or take a, a puff of marijuana because I'm a better person when I have this in my system. People like me a lot more. Life's a lot yeah. more exciting and fun. And I know how to talk to people really well when I've got this stuff. I'm a better salesman, if you will, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah, well, I was a better salesman to myself, believing that thought, right? The right. belief. It's, yeah, it's all about sure. your mindset. Yeah. And I really held on to that. Well, going down, you know, going down the road a little bit, I got a DUI coming back from um, the club one night. 
and and that all of a sudden put the brakes on to a screeching halt. Um, but I didn't want to. I don't want to face the music. I didn't want to face the choices that I created in my life. So I got this DUI, and here I am riding. Riding my my car is impounded. My license is taken away. I've got to spend some time in jail. Holy cow! If your self esteem's low, it goes even lower at that right, point. Yeah, and, and, sure. and the parting's not as exciting as it used to be. It starts to become dark for me. I'm now riding my bike from Gilbert, Arizona to Scottsdale to my job every day. So I'm leaving like two hours early, going a hundred miles an hour, getting to work, changing. And I'm sweating like a beast. Oh, Cause yeah. Arizona is not so cold. For Ooh, sure. It's crazy. And in my brain, I'm like the whole, the whole ride there. I'm like, my life is so messed up. Like how I'm, I, I can't, I'm never going to like, I, I thought it, I, it ended to, to a certain extent. I felt like I would never get back to the exciting life that I was living when I was, you know, driving and we were going to the clubs and I felt like I was pretty cool and whatever. Right, yeah. And I had all these friends, these people that I thought had come into my life that were really my great friends. That wasn't true. You, you kind of burn through people a lot when you're living a party lifestyle, yeah. uh, especially females. And I'm, I'm not like dating. I don't have any substance there in that as well. So that part of my life, as far as having a family and a future that way is, is not existent. So I'm, I'm riding my bike sulking and just feeling so down and depressed and like life is awful. Right. Well, I'm at work one day and I get a phone call from my dad who's my best friend and my hero. And the one, the one person who threw all, all the stuff, excitement, darkness, depression would call me and without judgment, love me and listen to me and not shame me. He knew right. what I was doing, right? but he would just talk positively to me and he would talk about how much you love me and, and how much you missed me and yeah. just, I love you, bud. I hope you're doing yeah. good. I think about you all the time. And I think about the great missionary that you were. He knew my heart was so attached to that. And he'd, he'd talk about that. And and he was always there. Well, here's this man calling me now, my best friend, the only one that's really trying to show up for me through everything. Right. And he says, son, I've got to talk to you. And I'm, oh, what's wrong, dad? And I stand up and I walk outside. And um, he says, I've been having headaches for about two and a half weeks straight. Um I don't know what's going on. Me and your mom are going and getting testing. And, and we, we found out that there's a lump in my brain. We don't know what's happening though. We don't know mm -hmm. what it is, but I just right. wanted you to know everything's going to be just fine. You know, that parent thing that we say, we're like, Hey kids, right. don't worry. It's we're all good. good but yeah. dad's got some big problems, but it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. When he wow. said that Todd, I, I hadn't felt the spirit for a long time. And when he said that I felt the spirit and, and I, and I heard in my heart and mind, um, go home. You need to drop everything you're doing right now in Arizona and go home. And and he, my dad got really emotional, so it became very real to me. It's almost like God was giving me an opportunity to come home and be around my dad again. And so I and so I did. Wow. I, I decided it was really easy for me to do because my life was crumbling in Arizona. Yeah, you're like, I don't want to, no, not, nothing to stay here for, yep. really. I'm, so I'm going to go back yeah. up to Utah. And, and in my brain, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going back to a very faithful LDS structured family. I've gonna, I'm going to have to live with mom and dad for a while. I'm a 26 year old man. I'm, I'm going to have to live with them for a while until I get back on my feet, whatever. I'd, I'd made some pretty good money in Arizona, but I'd wasted it all. So I take the Greyhound bus up to Utah to, to live. And, and I couldn't bring all my possessions cause I couldn't afford to. Like right. I, I had, I had squandered everything that I had. 
And I was thinking I could change my life to go live with mom and dad again. Cause I know I have to, but it wasn't like I want to, right. I have to. Yeah. And I thought I could, well, there's a problem. I was addicted and I was addicted a lot more than I thought I was. Right. Uh, so I go and I, I live with, I'm living wow. with my mom and dad. My, my dad only makes it 11 months and he dies of brain cancer. And oh, sorry to hear that. If, thank you. Um, and, and through that time, I started working with a brother-in-law who was doing um, landscaping and, and I'm, I've got my backpack and I've got my alcohol in my backpack and I've got, I try and find ways to get marijuana and, and mm-hmm. nobody knows that. And I, I think nobody knows that. And, and right. when I can, <laughs> when I can take a break into the wooded area or whatever, or use the restroom wherever, you know, I take a drink or I, I smoke and, and this thing becomes something that I feel like makes me better than I am. Makes right. me a better person because Mike Gregson alone without anything else is an awful human being with no value, brings nothing to the table that does anything good for anybody. I literally believe that. And it got so dark for me when my dad died. That was, that was, I, cr- I was crushed. I mean, I, I, I literally was so broken that I, I, was drinking at all, all, all times of the day. Right. I would try and bounce from job to job, but yet I'd try and drink and I could only last about two weeks of job and I wouldn't even get fired. I, I, because I was drinking on the job at breaks or whatever, I felt like, well, they're going to find out it's going to catch up with right. me. So yeah. I got to go, I got to run. I got that. That's the life of an addict. You, you're so afraid of everybody finding out and, and things catching up to you that you bounce around and, and you try and, you try and make it in your brain. You think, well, I, nobody knows because I'm, I'm fine. Like, I, I'm better because of this thing, and they can't tell it on my breath or whatever. But there's always that fear, and fear fear, fear just ruins everything right. uh, or, or actually opens the door in that case when, sure. when you're really bad. Yeah, right. My dad died, and, and I had some experiences where I had to spend some time in jail, and, and I was in jail for about a month. And I'll tell you what, there's not a reality check for you. That's a reality check for you. Yeah. But as soon as I got out of jail, what did I do? I went right back to alcohol and I was broken. And so I, I got to the point where I was waking up every morning wanting to die, uh, wishing that I was dead. Um, I was working this job in Utah County and I was on the phone. And and, and as soon as I got off this phone call, I just, I was done. I, life was so dark. I hated myself so much. I tried to put God away to the point where I just didn't even have a thought right. towards him or anything of light. I was done. I hung up the phone from, from work and, and I stood up in the middle of my job, left, went home to my apartment um, that I was barely, barely paying for. I walked into my apartment and literally was trying to figure out how I was going to kill myself. Wow. I hate, I hate me so bad. Right. My, my dad drew a picture on his mission um, of Jesus Christ. And he's, it's stifling all dots, and it's beautiful. Mm. And I, I always, no matter what I was going through and no matter what lifestyle I was living, I always had a picture, his, that picture of Christ um, in my room. And I, 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 I would look at it every once in a while to think of my dad, but I, I wouldn't really let the thoughts go much further than that. But this time when I walked in the room, is I'm literally trying to figure out how I'm going to end my life because I'm so sick of everything and what I'd done. Right. I grabbed this picture of Christ. I held it up 
And I looked at it, and with all the anger in my soul, all the darkness in my soul, and just energy, I yelled and screamed at God for a solid half an hour. And every four-letter word, every awful thing you can think came from my lips. And basically, I knew he was real. And I, I went to him and I said, you screwed up. This is on you. You created me. And look at, look at where I'm at. Why wow. would you do this to the child that you claim to love? I took no accountability. And mm. I blamed him for everything. You're omniscient. Well, where are you? This is yeah. like everybody has a wonderful life except for me. Me, me, me. Yeah. I was broken. Broken to the point where exhausted all my energy and I fell on my bed and I just wept and I, and I'm taught I'm talking ugly cry weeping right yeah, like like just sure. just uncontrollable weeping and I was broken and I'm I'm trying to figure out am I gonna am I shoot myself am I gonna drink whatever and um as I'm laying there crushed that feeling comes back again very clear very real get on your knees and say a prayer and when I when I finally recognized that it, that right. was coming through, yeah, I, no, why would I why would I talk to you when I just got done yelling about how mad I am at you? Yeah, and it came again. Get on your knees and say a prayer. I rolled over off the bed, got on my knees. Had no idea what to say. It had been four years since I talked to Heavenly Father in a way where child the father had no idea what to say and all that could come out of my mouth at that point so broken was help me help me and as soon as I said help me I just felt this rush wrap around me and into my heart and wow. just bear hug me and wow. as broken as I was as as I had I had no belief that anything could happen for me that is good just broken limited all of a sudden I knew that God loved me and that I had value to him and there's nothing wrong with me wait everything's wrong with me how yeah. how is that possible right wow and that that moment gave me broke through my rock solid heart and pricked me to recognize that God loved me. He loved me. And that I could trust in. Right. I couldn't trust in anything else other than the sun to come up every morning. Right. But I could trust in that because I felt that with power. And I knew that he showed up for me. As soon as I reached my arm out to him, he, re he showed up for me. Wow. It didn't change my life, though. Addiction is crazy. Right. You still have that to deal with. No, it's crazy. Right. And you... You figure out, you don't have anything. I have no money. And and we are all the same, right? When we get in these addictions, we have nothing to, mm -hmm. to get with. But if we want to, to get our fix each day, we'll find a way. And, and we really literally do. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And so I was still running to that addiction every day. But there was a difference. There was a girl that came into my life, my wife now, Alicia. And the first night we were together, although I drank, um, we had a conversation about God. And she saw through all the haze of the life that I created and mm. somehow saw the goodness, good heart in me humbly saying, I want to get back to my heavenly father because I know he lives. 
And she held on to that. And through mm. all the lies and the, the craziness that I took her through for the next year, she held on to it. That brought love back into my life. All of a sudden, there's this person that no matter what loved me and cared for me. It's like it's like God knew we needed each other. Because I was helping her in certain ways, too. We needed each other. And we, we just we helped each other. And I started to go back to church. That was huge for me. Yeah. But I was so ashamed. I was so shameful of everything that I created. Like, I don't belong here. Yes. Yeah. And, and the only thing, Todd, that kept me going is that pinprick of God loves you. So you got to try. You you got to try. So I would show up. I, I started showing up to church, and I, I set up an appointment with to go see my bishop. I went in to go see him, and, and obviously a, a bishop is a spiritual counselor who, if we can open up to, will help us overcome things to come back and connect with God again fully. And I went and sat down with him, looked across his desk, and I said, I'm good. Everything's fine. All is well. I, I, I just I couldn't deal with my shame yet. I, I, I couldn't yeah. deal with letting everybody else know how big of a mess I am. I couldn't forgive myself. And that is a very key thing is that forgiving of myself. I wasn't worth the forgiveness of myself. Right. Although God loved me, I couldn't forgive myself. Yeah. It took a miracle for me. So we, we I, I started to go back to church events and meetings. I went to a family evening. I was coming home. I just bought a scooter. That's all I could afford. And Alicia and I, my wife, who we were dating at the time, decided after the family meeting meeting, we were going to go get a movie and, and get stuff for milkshakes. We went to Hollywood video. You know what that oh, is yeah, back in the back day. Back in right? the day. That... <laughs> yeah. So for you young kids, we used to actually have to go to a store and look around for a long time and pick a movie out and rent it. Anyway, <laughs> we were coming home at uh, 8 p.m. at night. My church was two blocks away. So we took my scooter. We didn't wear helmets. First warm night of spring. We're coming home, going about 40, 45 miles an hour on the scooter. And a young gal was coming the opposite direction made a, a turn way too early, probably didn't see the scooter, nailed his head on, going about 40 to 45, accelerating into a left-hand turn, going way too early. So I think she saw us, was trying to beat us, nailed us. Yeah. Alicia was scalped, broke her neck and back in seven places. Really? Broke her femur, shattered her knee, shattered her foot, and was alert the whole time. I broke my oh. skull in three places. I had traumatic brain injuries. I, I My leg was kind of folded in half, and um, wow. I was comatose at the scene. Uh, one of our heroes, Spencer Hall, was sitting at, at the intersection where we got hit. He got out of his car. He had just given a blessing to somebody, so he was dressed to the T. He had his mm-hmm. white shirt on, his tie, was in a spiritual mindset already. He was on the phone with a doctor, his really good friend. Everything just kind of lined up for us. It's crazy. On the phone with the doctor, runs up to the scene. What do I do? What do I do? Doctor says, are any of them awake and alert? Because they're probably dead if they're not. And he looked at me. Spencer says he ran up. He looked at me and he thought, he's dead. So he went to Alicia, who was scalped and struggling and moving. And he, and he put her scalp back together. Gosh. Help, tried to stop the bleeding. Held her in place. Gave her a blessing. And all the all the ducks lined up for us. God never gives up on his children. God loves all of us. We all have value. We all have worth. That accident saved my life. It, the hardest 
thing that I've ever been through was the greatest blessing of my life. I spent some time in a coma. I had some pretty amazing experiences while I was in my coma with my father. And I knew that my, I knew that my father loved me and was proud of me, even though why he was dying, I was an alcoholic and he knew that. Right. And, and as I came out of the coma, they didn't know if I was going to make it. They're telling my mom that he's probably not going to make it. His brain's barely active. And the blessing, Todd, is I don't know that I had much brain activity before the accident. So <laughs> I think to my family, it's like, oh, hey, that's all good. That's that's normal. Yeah, that sounds about normal. That <laughs> sounds right. about right. Yeah. That's right. So I came out of the coma and I literally had no idea who I was. I, I thought I was the Wolverine. Hi, I'm the Wolverine. That's who I introduced myself to as a, as a doctor. So I guess I said to God, hey, if you're going to send me back, can I just be the Wolverine? Can I be Is the that Wolverine? Cool? Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. but all of a sudden, um, things were different for me. I was, I, was, I was softer when I was healing. And although the, I, although the alcoholism is something I had to work very, very hard to overcome, the accident didn't heal me there. I knew that I was worth it. I knew that I was worth it to God. And that's all that mattered. And that I was worth it to Jesus Christ. And because he sent his son here, who went through everything for me, who walked that walk with me, I felt him walking that walk with me. In my darkest moments, he tried to knock on that door and, and let me know that he was there. And all I had to do was reach. That was all I needed. Wow. So I came home. I had to heal for a year. I was out of work for a year. Um, I started going to LDS addiction recovery meetings. At first, the first time I went, I sat there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. This is awful. But I kept going because I knew I knew that I was important enough to change myself yeah. and keep going. And, and I started to overcome this thing. And all of a sudden, my mindset changed. And I understood that it wasn't this bottle of liquid that I was going to that was my problem. It was the pride within me. Mm. The pride within me to feel like Mike Gregson's not good enough. Pride sometimes yeah. can be a negative thing as well. Pride is when we focus only on me. When we're only focused on me, that's pride. Yeah. Even it, whether it's good or bad, focus, right? I started to connect with God. I started to study him, study his word, study the life of Jesus Christ and his teachings. And as I started to study him and I started to, to look to him, light came back into my life. I wanted to live a different life. All of a sudden, my life was now focused on serving others, helping others. As I started to go serve the homeless food at the homeless food shelter, broken still recovering from my brain injury i meet a group of people there that work for marriott international they tell me come work here all of a sudden is i've got all these legal things that i'm still dealing right. with my life yeah. i it somehow feels like i can't get anywhere i still have this belief in my mind god's got my back somehow wow. he's going to help me pass this drug test somehow he's going to help me make a life still right but there's legal things and all these things that can <laughs> that, that I that I can't escape. But I've got a belief that I can, and that belief opened doors for me. God opened door for, doors for me as I believed, as I stayed positive, as I understood that I had value. Those doors started to open. 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 years later, looking back, I work for Marriott International still, and I've had a phenomenal career. Alicia and I got married, sealed in the temple. Um, I got 
I've got three amazing children. She broke her neck and back in seven places, and she was able to have three incredible Yeah, I was going to ask her how she recovered from all that. Yeah. Obviously, she did, and yeah. which is awesome. And it's it's a struggle in the wintertime. Holy cow. Yeah. It hurts her big time. But, sure. But we've been blessed, and, and God has, has been there to help us uh, along every step of the way. And, 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 and as we've made that decision, that choice to connect with him each day and look to him, it's not about me anymore. It's about what can I give back. Wow. And um, when I look at life like that and, and see people for the value that they have and, and not worry about me, but worry about others and how can I help and what can I do to serve someone today, there is so much light and so much joy that has come into my life through that. And I, I love life. I don't have much, Todd. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a guy that's ever going to go after all that stuff. I don't really care about that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Amen. And I, it doesn't matter to me. That yeah. stuff never gives you happiness. Yeah. I love people. I care about souls. And I just wow. want to lift and help and love. And I'm not perfect at that either, but I try every day. And God helps me and he talks to me as I try. Wow. What's the belief you have about yourself now? I'm a child of God. My my value, my worth to him will never change. There's nothing I can do that will ever allow me to escape that and thank God right. for that because I tried right. so hard. Knowing that about me, I understand that about everybody else. Wow. We're all children of God of infinite yeah. value and we are all going to make mistakes. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. That's why we are here. I love people in the middle of their mistakes. I love the sinner, right? We call it the sinner, the, right. the alcoholic, yeah. the, the smoker, sure. the, the one living in infidelity or whatever. I love that person. And, and I don't care what you're doing. What you're doing does not define you. Your soul defines you. And I know your soul. And if you ever want to come to a higher place than where you're at right now, I know you can, and I want to help you. But I want to love you whether you want to be there or not because I know that your value and your, your worth is yeah. there to God and to me. Wow. Well said, and, and I can feel that love from you. I can feel that energy from you right now. And we were talking about this before we started, how lucky we, we are to sit face to face with the person sharing the story, you know, and, and I know it, it does translate as listeners hear this, but to be able to sit here with you and see this and, and feel your love and passion, uh, for God and for helping other people. I mean, I can feel it. It's amazing. I what, hope so. That is an incredible story. I, 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 it's just unbelievable. There's a million questions I want to ask you, but if, if there's someone listening to your story right now, who's in a dark place, who's at rock bottom or they feel they're going towards rock bottom, what would you tell them? Hold on. Hold on. And it, it, just give yourself, give yourself 24 hours from that moment right now. Hold on. Because that rock bottom that you're in right now is going to end up becoming the thing that springboards you into the greatest victory in your life. And once you are there, because I promise you, if you hold on, it will happen. Right. Once you are there, you will be able to turn around and help people that are in 
the place that you're at right now. And that will give you more joy than anything else that this world can give you. But hold on. You're worth it. You're special. And you are learning. The point of this life is to learn. You are learning the most important things that you're ever going to learn. No school can teach you this. No career can teach you this. You are learning the hard knock things in life that will teach you the value of your human soul and your spirit to God. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hold on. Because this darkness right now will help you to see the light in your life and will lead you to the greatest victory that you will ever have in your life. So hold on. Wow. That's beautiful advice. Thank you so much. You know, um, I know you do a podcast. It's called Come Towards Delight. Um, how, how would people find that? And how would they find you if they wanted to reach out to you and ask you a question and to get to know more about you? What would be the best way for them to do that? Well, first of all, I'd encourage you to go to Todd first because he's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> no, I, just awesome podcast, Todd. I love, I love what you do because what you do is love for other people. You, you want to do something good in the world yeah. and to help others. Right. And likewise, right? I, I feel the same way. So come towards delight. The idea of, is it, of it, that podcast and that title is we have to go through the dark before we come to delight. So what's that story? What's that journey to get there? And I want to I want to give people a place safe place to share so that others can hear that this delightful person who's awesome and has energy and is happy, this is what they went through to get there. Right. And it's not just because they wanted it and so right. they have it. Right. Yeah. They practiced it. No, it's because they, a lot of times you pass through the dark. Yeah. So if you ever want to find it, uh, it's on all the major podcast channels. Uh, you know, whether it's Apple, Google. Uh, breaker, whatever it is, you can find it. Just search come towards delight, or you can go to the Instagram page at come towards delight. Um, and, and yeah, you know, if you ever want to reach out to me, please send me an email at come towards delight at gmail.com. I'm always looking for people with uplifting stories uh, to share their journeys on my podcast sure. and, and Todd, I'm going to put you on mine as well. Cause I want to hear <laughs> all about you, but awesome. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it is. You, you try and give back. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I, you know, challenge all our listeners to reach out to you and, and, you know, share their, their stories and whatever, or if they know someone who's struggling, they can maybe guide them towards you and, and to listen to the amazing stories that you're featuring on your podcast. And, but I can't thank you enough for being vulnerable today and sharing your story with us. I needed to hear that today, honestly. Like I sit here and go, and I know the listeners are going, wow, what an amazing story. I needed to hear that. But you know, you spoke to my heart today and I want to thank you so much for, you know, not giving up and holding on, you know, not giving up and uh, making it through this really difficult time. But look at now, you know, just where you said, you said it, you're the, the hardest thing you ever went through was the greatest thing you've ever went through. You know, there's a, there's an amazing statement that I love the, the greater, the darkness, the greater, the light. Right. Amen to that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and that's your story. Yes. Dude. That is totally your story. And, um, but, uh, thank you for taking the time to share this with us. And, you know, I wish we had a few more hours. We could just sit and talk more and more, right? <laughs> uh, you've got other people to talk to, so no worries. Yeah. It's good. No, you're awesome. It's good. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, I told you, you know, Mike's story was going to be amazing and it is. And I hope that you guys felt what I'm feeling right now and that you will take this into your heart and hold on. If you're struggling with anything, 
And if you know anyone else who's struggling, please share this with them because this will uplift them. This will maybe get them through that dark time to help them hold on. Share this with them. And and uh, again, thank you for the spo- my sponsor, Veracity Networks, and Paul Cardall. Thank you for the music. Uh, we all love you. And, and Mike, we love you too. Thank you for doing this today. Love you, Todd. You're awesome. Thank you. Well, guys, until next time, and I love all of you. 